Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Rest Stop with Brad Restituting. Welcome to episode two of The Rest Stop. I am Brad Restituto, and we are live here in Las Vegas every Tuesday and Thursday night, 9 to 10 o'clock. And joining me also tonight, as always, Spencer the Wiz. You can follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer. Got a good show for you today on this Thursday. Joining us around 9.15, the sports nista, Cassandra Cousineau, will join us to talk everything going on in the world of sports with the boycotts, the civil unrest, uh, and just more uh, kind of angst and uncertainty revolving our daily lives, especially in the sports world here in the recent turn of events with the sporting boycotts that have kind of sweeped the landscape of sports. Today it was the NHL, some baseball, and of course NBA and WNBA also canceling their games today. Uh, but before we get into all that, I'm going to kick it off on a little bit of a lighter note today. And Spence, before we got onto the show live today, I, I was kind of, I had a weird craving of cereal. I don't know why. I did not indulge in that cereal. But it, it reminded me of some of these new spots opening up I've seen around town. They're like cereal bars or cereal brick and mortars. I've seen them out. It's it, They have these catchy names. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it's pretty much a brick and mortar of a cereal shop. You go in, I guess maybe you pick your milk, you pick your cereal, and enjoy a bowl of cereal in person somewhere. Uh, from the looks of, of the reaction you're giving me, you have not heard of this yet. No, I, I don't understand how a business model like that can even exist. I would maybe understand a breakfast spot, but even breakfast spots, I feel, don't last very long unless they're chained. Or you're just so amazing that no one can stop you. But that is such a rare instance. But to go back on cereal, do you have a favorite cereal? Um, uh, We're not going to go deep into this uh, cereal thing as far as favorite cereals i i don't think i can pick one favorite no it all depends on my on my mood uh apple jacks will probably be up at the top um but how about yourself are yours are you a cereal guy i'm a raisin i can't have cereal unfortunately because of my diet but before 
raisin bran is like the greatest thing to eat at 10 o'clock 10 p.m i should say not in the morning i'm a cereal at night kind of person myself well if raisin brands your go-to you would be good to go in the edrs across uh the employee dining rooms in, in the hotels and casinos yes. because raisin brands a staple at most of them yes so, i think i may have gotten it when i worked at aria i see breakfast lunch and dinner there and they would always have raisin brand ready on the go at aria so it's probably where it all started yeah. So, I mean, that was my, that was my initial craving, uh, before we, we jumped on air today. I don't know why I just started daydreaming of, uh, of a cereal bar to go to. Uh, but aside from cereal, the news has been kind of consumed here in the last 24, 48 hours in the sports realm and really bleeding over to mainstream media as well. Uh, the sporting boy- boycotts over the Jacob Blake shooting. Uh, and of course this, News of the Jacob Blake incident came to light in Kenosha, Wisconsin, here in the last 48 hours or so. Um, and we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was shot in the back seven times. And he's not lost his life, but the reports are saying that he's paralyzed and he he will live. Um, I guess that's good news for him and his family. Um, but a really tough situation and a lot of emotion and a lot of really, I don't think backlash is the word, but it may be a lot of backlash in the African-American community and the sporting world continuing to demand change. We've seen um, the civil unrest coming from George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the WNBA players, the NBA players all speaking out wanting justice. And this is another incident where they want to utilize their platform to demand change. And it started off by something we really have not seen in our lifetime, playoff games being boycotted. And that happened yesterday, started with the Milwaukee Bucks, Orlando Magic. Game five, I believe. Am I right on that, Spence? Game five set to tip off yesterday was boycotted. And then the other games followed suit. And that bled over till today. The NHL stood tall. They made statements saying, we're not going to play today. The NBA, the WNBA, some of Major League Baseball, not all of it, has decided to sit out today. So as a sports fan, we're kind of sitting around and just following the news, following what's going on as we really don't have any sports. I made a bet on the Golden Knights game this morning, and I'm going to have to go back tomorrow and figure out if I'm going to repeat that bet because there's no game today. So Spence – this is something you haven't seen in your lifetime. Did it surprise you the way it transpired? And what do you expect moving forward uh, that they, the NBA has now decided we're going to continue our season probably tomorrow, Friday and or, and or Saturday. Yeah. And that's where a lot of my issues come in is stopping a playoff game is impactful. You're talking about thousands of dollars of betting money. Obviously you're talking, you know, potentially millions of viewers depending on the game and so you do this and it's a big statement. Everyone's like, wow, you've completely stopped sports. You know, this is going to cost an unbelievable amount of money for TV deals and stuff like that. And then they convene together and they vote. Do we want to continue the season? Everybody but the Lakers and Clippers votes yes. And the one that shocks me the most has to be um, Milwaukee. They're the one who started all of this. And yet somehow they're okay with continuing the rest of the season so it's it's one of those things where it's you, you you're going in the right direction because they want this change and I think that's really great 
And people say, you know, shut up and dribble. That's kind of the whole stigma. I definitely don't agree with that because a lot of people, they're role models. They look up to them. So they have a lot of impact on young people's lives. And I think that's really important role. They have more of an impact than probably the entire organization does, which is kind of crazy to say. But that's just the case. And if you want to do something, that's fantastic. But you have to do it with a plan. You know, you come into it and you come back immediately on your word. Then it just looks silly to me. So it, could you possibly look at this as counterintuitive? Like, hey, we sat out a couple games, but what really did that do? Uh, I, I was of the opinion yesterday, and I still am of the opinion, if these sports organizations, the NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA, WNBA, NFL, if they all collectively decided to stand in protest and not play the rest of the season, now I'm awake. Now you've got my attention. Because you're taking millions of dollars away from people and you're saying if we're not going to get it back on the court until a change is implemented now. And I know I've talked to a lot of people that said, oh, change is going to take time. We've got to be patient. Explain to me why it would take time when we can go through a pandemic in a matter of 48, 48 hours to one week, we can have Heroes Acts, bills written into law where the American people get money and they're able to have things changed around to bring them relief. If that can happen that fast, why can't stuff get on the Senate floor, bills be passed, reform be implemented immediately? Why can't people lose their jobs quickly and implement change in training now, retrain everybody now? Why can't these be made into action immediately? I don't see the excuse why that can't happen immediately. We've taught, we've heard some good points uh, from people that are talking about body cams and we'll get into what the uh, Baltimore Ravens said from their website and, and, and their a team statement they put out earlier today. And they made a couple good bullet points that I agree with, but why can't we get change immediately? I know it's possible. Don't tell me that we can't, and it's going to take time when and during a pandemic, we can change things almost overnight. Too bad we can't get an agreement on a second stimulus package. Nobody seems to be as outraged about that marching in the streets, and that's affecting everybody. Um, so it, it does frustrate me the picking and choosing of what we want to be outraged for. But don't tell me we have to wait for change. I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. And I don't believe it's true. I believe the people with the money and the people in power, if they are the ones saying, look, we need change, change will get done. I, I heard on a radio show earlier today, Spence, uh, a really interesting conversation about the rapper Meek Mill and how Jay-Z and other guys were fighting for his release. But not until Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, went to visit him in prison and then made a statement, within two weeks he was released. These owners have a lot of power, Spence, Tons of power that we don't even know. And if these players decided to collectively say, we will not play until change is tangible. Now you got my attention. Your thoughts. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I saw something on Twitter said, what are you going to whine to the owners for? What power do they have? Do people just not realize that billionaires have an unbelievable reach and network of people and the ability to change things like instantly. I promise you, if they wanted something done legitimately from the bottom of their hearts, it would be done pretty darn quick. So uh, you want to talk about league owners too. I mean, you're talking about a whole nother level. So 
yeah, the idea that the only people who have power to make change are political people like your senators is an incredible fallacy that I will not get behind because it's obviously not true. So well, what what has been accomplished now by two or three games, two or three days uh, of sitting out? Yes, the conversation is continuing to be at the forefront, but it has been in the past. And I don't think that the conversation would have died if they would have played. So what has been accomplished here and what do they think has been accomplished from a player's perspective, if you could speculate? Stopping sports for a day is a big impact without a doubt. I don't, I don't think their message has completely been blown away and it's like it was for nothing. I mean, it obviously got everyone talking for at least a day. Obviously the impact is completely diminished when you start, when you say, okay, we're going to, we're just going to play two days later. It, it doesn't, it doesn't look good to me, but again, we'll talk about this in a bit. The Baltimore Ravens do have an agenda and the difference is, is that uh, obviously the players did not. Well, Audrey Hartz has chimed in in a comment. She said it's not the same as a pandemic. Not everyone is on the same page as far as change. I, I don't know that everybody's on the same page as change, no matter what the discussion is, because clearly that's the case right now with the second stimulus package. We're going back and forth for weeks. This should have been passed weeks ago. They can't come to the agreement on that. Uh, so, yes, I understand what you're saying. It's it's not the same but we can't come to an agreement on anything. But this is such a, a hot button issue with uh, reform and with the changing of, of certain things uh, in the African-American community as far as the, the police go. I don't necessarily agree that the narrative should be pushed the way it, it, it's being pushed. I, I think we don't have evidence to say that all of this is racially motivated. Now, sports teams and leagues will come out and say, you know, this is – uh, racial discrimination and what have you. I don't believe that. And I'm interested to have that discussion with Cassandra Cousineau, the sports nista, when she comes on. I think a lot of these situations, not all of them, a lot of these situations where you have uh, different races, whether it's the cop or the, the victim or vice versa, being of different uh, races, I don't believe it's racially motivated or driven situation. I believe that there's a pocket of cops in this country that are bad cops that abuse power. And that comes first before that they look, Oh, this is a black man and he's dangerous. Let me shoot him seven times in the back. Uh, now I also don't know what it's like to be a cop in the heat of a situation when you have uh, a suspect, a perpetrator, whatever you want to call um, the person involved in the incident when it's a heated discussion and, and tensions are very hot. I don't know what it's like to be in that situation where maybe you feel threatened, like he was going to his car, which he shouldn't have done. And I talked about on Tuesday, the importance of complying with officers. I think you can have two truths in a situation. You can talk about uh, a person definitely needs to comply anytime they're in the street against a cop with a gun and a weapon, but also it's the same truth saying in no situation should a cop ever shoot anybody seven times in the back. That's unnecessary, unmitigated force that that is in no means necessary with one person. Uh, I think one shot or two sh should have sufficed. And I guess another question I have, would this be discussion be as, as hot buttoned as it is 
if Jacob Blake was shot twice instead of seven? That question in particular, Spence, I'm curious your opinion on. If, if this was handled in a little less vitriolic way, would this still be in the discussion the way it is? I say yes, because it's a black man and a white cop. But if the shots were three times or two compared to seven, how would the dynamic of this discussion be different, Spencer? It is hard to say, obviously, but I think getting shot in the back, I think, is much worse. And we had talked about this a little bit. And I, from an analytical perspective, I kind of talked about this from like a military training standpoint. Um, let's say there is a knife in his car, which I, I think that's what there was. So he, let's say he is going to grab a knife. First of all, I already said he shouldn't have been able to walk around the car if you're really trying to restrain him. But the thing is, he has his back turned to you, right? And you're already aimed down sight on him. Like it takes you a split second. Let's say he pulls out a knife and still turns around. You, st- you're first of all, you have the distance at that point. You, there, you never lose that advantage. Your first reaction should not be, "Oh, I think he's grabbing a weapon. Let me shoot him in the back." Let alone seven times. So, I think just shooting someone in the back when you don't, when you're, you don't know the full situation. Let's be honest. He, he panicked. I think that's the only way you can look about it. That or he's been trained atrociously bad. So it's either of the two. I, I do think it probably would be. I think it would be as bad. Getting shot in the back is is definitely the worst part of all of this. And I still think the American public as a whole, we don't know all of the facts because we're getting so much, just like this entire pandemic and so many situations, we're getting different fires of versions of what happened. Did he have a knife? Didn't he have a knife? What did he, what did he have a knife in the car? Was he reaching for a knife in the car? The kids in the car, there's so many variables. And that's why... Uh, sometimes I think it's important, especially for um, a LeBron James, people that have an enormous multi-million people following and have such a huge platform to kind of try to gather as most, most of, of the facts that you can gather to be as accurate as you can before making such a, a broad paint of injustice. And not saying that anything would change based on being shot seven times. That's There's nothing that can be said that would justify that. Um, but do I think that people should be walking around with shirts saying justice for Jacob Blake when we don't know the dynamic of what caused the situation? Uh, because like again, this is an interesting slope because I think there could be multiple truths here. You can absolutely be outraged at the fact that he was shot seven times in the back. But I'm not ready to put on a shirt for somebody that, you know, was not doing the right thing either. It's not like he was in a drive-by situation and was singled out. And Spence, I know you have a big issue with the fact that people coming to the table – talking about his criminal background and the equating of him being shot seven times. Now understand what I'm saying. I'm not separating those two, but I think it's important. And I I wouldn't, you know, is this somebody you're going to uh, have over your house at a barbecue? Are you going to let babysit your kids? If these charges are true, I just don't know that I think we should be, uh, having shirts with Jacob Blake all over it, given the situation. And and can we, can we separate the fact that I'm talking about that compared to 
not equating his background to being shot seven times, that there's a difference. Yeah. Um, into that, I would say he doesn't, yeah, to speak a little bit about whether or not like, like the counter argument that I've seen is, Oh, he was a convicted criminal with the warrant out. Well, that doesn't matter. Like who cares to be honest with you? Because, the police officers are not the judges in this situation. They're not executioners. They're not allowed to do that on the behalf. You know, if you say that you're against the constitution of the United States, essentially that everyone is uh, do, you know, has, it should have a trial and be able to represent themselves. And they almost did not give him the opportunity to do that because he wasn't in jail yet. It's not like he was escaped from jail. It was something that he's committed up, but we don't know if he did for sure. And, Yes, is he is he maybe perhaps not the greatest person ever? I don't know. I've never met the guy. I can't really tell you. I don't know any facts about him, but um I t- he it's okay for him to be a martyr if it's for this cause, if it, if it's the fuel to actually make change. I'm willing to to separate those two things and be like he was a man who was unjustly shot, not he is this person I want justice for, for him. It's just it's this idea that he was unjustly um put force upon himself when it, that shouldn't have been the outcome. As we're waiting for the sports Nisa Cassandra Cousineau, this is the rest stop. I'm Brad Restituto. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday live from Las Vegas, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. And if you missed the show live here on twitch.tv, make sure you subscribe at any of the podcast platforms and search Landry Conference Call and you can find the rest stop. You can find the other show that I'm on, the Pack Wrap, any, any other shows. And you can also find them at Chris Landry football.com spencer the whiz you can follow him on twitter as he's with me every tuesday and thursday and uh the excellent producer of the show as we're talking about in the world of sports and kind of the world in general right now is, is still the hot button topic of the jacob blake shooting and in r- the equation the reaction to that is the sporting franchise is pretty much Shut down for a couple of days. They boycotted. There was no NBA games yesterday, none today, none from the WNBA. The NHL decided to stand firm today and not play any games, and a lot of Major League Baseball as well. And there was a few Major League Baseball games played today, uh, but a lot of them decided to boycott also. And we were talking earlier, Spence, and I want to go to this about the Baltimore Ravens. They put out a statement uh, today in, in reference to – the Jacob Blake shooting, and there was a lot of opinions from the NFL, from different people in the NFL, and and the Baltimore Ravens, and this one kind of stood out, and and the Ravens did make a a statement and stand for social justice, and and let's see what they had to say. They started off by saying, with yet another example of racial discrimination with the shooting of Jacob Blake and the unlawful abuse of peaceful protesters, we must unify as a society. It's imperative that all people, regardless of race, religion, creed, or belief, come together to say enough is enough. This is bigger than sports. Racism is embedded in the fabric of our nation's foundation and is a blemish on our country's history. If we are to change course and make our world a better place, we must face this problem head on and act now to enact positive change and racial injustice. Though we cannot right all the wrongs of our country's history, we can. And then there's a bunch of bull, bullet points, one being arrest and charge the police officers responsible for Breonna Taylor's killing and the shooting of Jacob Blake. And then it goes on to talk about Senator Mitch McConnell 
and different bullet points there, as you can see on the screen. So a powerful statement uh, by the Baltimore Ravens, and they are one of quite a few people, uh, players, teams, organizations itself, the NFL, that's come out and spoken on this situation. As uh, I believe we're going to join join us now, and we can discuss this further, the sports nista, there she is, Cassandra Cousineau. You can find her on lvsportsbiz.com and also her podcast, The Levels Podcast. The lovely Cassandra Cousineau, thank you for joining us on The Rest Stop, our number two episode here tonight in Las Vegas. Hey, hey, so glad to see you and hear your voice, man. Been a minute. It's been a while. I'm glad to have you also uh, as this pandemic has definitely left me uh, here uh, to eat myself almost out of, <laughs> out of the house. So uh, no. we're going to work on that a little bit here. Uh, Spencer the Wiz is here also. What's up, Spencer? Us. He's in the house. He says hello. Uh, so Cassandra, we're, of course, the, the hot button topic going on, not only in the world of sports, but in the mainstream media is the boycotts with the NFL. And then today it bled over to the NHL, the WNBA, and a lot of Major League Baseball. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard that there was going to be no games played? Man, it was such a fluid situation. Everything was happening um, all at one time. I actually was live on my show levels as it was all unfolding. And so it was a very and, and on our show, we just talk combat sports. So it was a surreal thing. Um, but I'm also not surprised that it, the impetus was uh, out of the NBA. Those players have been much more socially active, although um, the Colin Kaepernick situation put NFL players front and center. I think collectively the NBA has been much more involved with social issues uh, over the past couple of years and really uh, speaking out and using their platform in multiple ways. Uh, Cassandra, do you, do you think that me and Spencer were talking before you came on about the fact that they've decided to go ahead and resume play mm-hmm. over the weekend, maybe as early as tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, and what the impact of just one or two days meant. And of course, I talked about how I thought you would have a lot more eyes opened if collectively the sports organizations decided as a protest we were going to not play the entire season, whether it was the rest of Major League Baseball, WNBA, NBA, NFL, I thought um, that would really force change to happen quicker. Um, What are your thoughts on the length of the boycott and will there be an impact felt and what is that impact possibly? So the NBA is also tied to the WNBA. You saw the women come out um, immediately after the Bucks had said that they weren't going to play, saying that they would not uh, play either. And the women had a bullet list already. They were already organized because women, that's how we get down. Uh, we got plans. <laughs> and so uh, that helped. Um, I don't have a problem with them playing tomorrow. I didn't have a problem with them not playing for the entire season. Um, I support those young men and women, however they want to um, peacefully and uh, rationally discuss what is important to them as human beings. Um, I actually think that it's best that they resume play as opposed to resuming Uh, as opposed to sitting out an entire season. I think the NBA players specifically were at risk for being locked out uh, next season, and that just creates a a whole situation that nobody wants. 
to begin with, but when they're back in the bubble, A, they're safe, we are in a pandemic, and then also they can continue to speak out. And now that they've kind of regained everybody's attention, I think folks were happy to see sports back and you're watching your favorite team or talking smack about the team that you don't like, and people got, got complacent and got comfortable again. And I think this was kind of a jarring moment to get the conversation back to the social issues. Once again, you have an unarmed, and I don't care if he said there was something in the car, he wasn't in the car, he was outside of the car, uh, an unarmed black man being murdered by police officers. And this time you have three little boys in the vehicle watching their father being, he's now paralyzed and still handcuffed as of today. He was handcuffed to uh, the bed. Uh, and, and you get little boys watching that. It, it is way past time, way past time for there to be action taken. And I think what the main thing that these players are trying to do is to get these owners to speak to their friends who are entrenched with these municipalities to actually take actionable steps on the local level to address these issues. That's the sports Nista Cassandra Cousineau joining us. Oh, uh, and I uh, got some Stella with me. I haven't had any yet, though, but was, <laughs> I'm ready because it's been that kind of week, man. Cassandra, <laughs> I was peeping your meal before you got on today. Yeah, and good. Man, I mean, we've we've had some discussions about some some healthy vegan type meals. Uh, just real quick, real quick, tell the audience what you cooked up tonight because you had your Stella with that and it looked really good. Um, I had a, a Thai yellow curry veggie. I had roasted vegetables, uh, squash, zucchini, onions, carrots, uh, green beans. And then I had like a little bit of coconut milk in that yellow curry with some rice and um, some uh, cayenne pepper, um, crusted uh, sauteed tilapia with it and some jasmine rice and it was good and i had homemade spicy pickles and in case anyone was wondering once you showed the audience your stella is she even old enough to drink i will say this uh the sports nista even though she looks 19 right now uh on <laughs> she she is a family woman so she is of legal age to drink and we will not be reporting her to uh Anybody saying put the this babies to bed. <laughs> <laughs> put the babies and children to bed. It is time to have a Stella and to talk about the craziness going on in this world. So we're going to pick back up there. And Cassandra, I'm going to hit you with this. And you may, you may need to hit me over the head uh, after I make this statement here. I watch fights. I don't start them. Okay. Well, I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I'm never going to get in one with you because you're my ally and uh, I know when to pick my battles. So the Ravens came out with a statement today and where, where I kind of step back and I say, wait a minute, is when we immediately get involved in the discussion of these situations and, and race is immediately brought up. And in the, in the instance of cops and unarmed black men, white men, regardless, if it's a white cop and a black man, uh, we talk about race. I, If I were to say to you, there's no evidence that this was racially motivated and my problem stems more from cops in these pockets where they make these decisions abuse power more so than a racial situation. What is your, your argument or comment on that? 
Yeah, I think there's enough evidence in, in a historical pattern of police officers behaving differently when they have black and brown suspects in their custody or they are approaching them. If you look at just what happened this week, for instance, you had this unarmed man being shot seven times in his back while a police officer held him. Meanwhile, you had a 17-year-old armed with an automatic assault weapon who had just murdered, was it two people, multiple people in the streets. He was handed a bottle of water by the police officers. What's the difference there? You have one suspect who murdered people, who is a young white boy, and you have a grown man who has not murdered anybody who almost lost his life. And then let's go back three weeks ago. Let's go back three weeks before that. There is a pattern. And, and a lot of people say that we need more training. You can't train people who don't have it in them to behave a certain way. It is in the hiring practices. It is how people are actually brought into the academy. It is how they are assessed to be fit. How is it that you go for your, your weapon to shoot a man in the back when you're not in danger? It's because there's some kind of in, implied fear that actually lies between a black person in America and law enforcement. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm relatively peaceful. And, uh, you know, I've been on a porch with a black man and Popo just come Popo. Um, it's late. I had a couple of sips. Um, <laughs> the police officers came running up on the porch. Everybody had to get down because they had a report of an incident in the area. This was six years ago. And to this day, we don't know what that incident was. We were sitting on our own porch being black. Things like this happen over and over again, so much so when you see that pattern, you have to say it comes down to race. Cassandra, if I were to say uh, on average, there's 62 counties per state times 52, 51 states, depending what your thoughts are on Puerto Rico and Alaska and the like. So we're talking over 5,000 plus counties uh you know, we're doing the math here. Is it fair to say, like you said, that there is a pattern of the racial injustice or there are just pockets that are amplified by mainstream media and by social media showing these scenarios? But in reality, the numbers would say that uh, this is not necessarily a black white issue. It's it's an issue of, of cops. Uh, am I, if I were to say that there, there's not quite this disparity in that pattern overall, that there's just pockets where there's people that abuse their power and that are, are wrong, how would you, what would you respond to that? Um, I would say that certainly social media and the, the pervasiveness of where information comes from, whether you're talking about your cable news, your, your phones, your alerts, or your friends, or whatever, information is much more accessible, so we feel it more. And that's actually a really um, interesting point in that, do we just hear about it more? No, we see it more. That's the difference. My mom came up in an area, uh, uh, in an era when schools were just being integrated, uh, and it was just as bad for her then 
in. But what happened was you had friends of hers and neighbors who said, it's not happening like that. No, you're exaggerating. It's not being exaggerated. It's being filmed now. That's the difference. So yeah, we're hearing about it more, but I don't think that it's in pockets. I grew up in a very small town uh, with 48 kids in my graduating class. And in that town, there are there is clan activity. There is uh, intimidation activity happening now. I'm talking about my mom getting flyers on the front porch because I don't know how they don't know black people live there. Like we've been living there for like, you know, decades, like damn near a quarter century. Uh, so, um, but you talk about there just being pockets. This is rural America that I'm talking about, not Los Angeles, not Las Vegas, not Chicago. It is happening everywhere in certain, in different ways. Um, but the United States in particular has, I think this country has a very high tolerance for racism. We have a low tolerance for intolerance of racism. And that's why people just lost their shit when athletes said, we're not playing tonight. We tired. <laughs> you know, we just do I mean, there have been days on my job where I'm like, yeah, I can't do this today. My head hurt. Yeah. I mean, essentially they're on their jobs saying, you know, I can't do this today. My head hurt. Uh, it's something to be said because there's not a lot of us that can go out punching time clocks and just decide uh, we're upset about something that's going on in the world yeah. and we're not showing up. So this is a lot of power uh, being mm -hmm. mooled around by professional athletes and, and hopefully that'll trickle down to the owners as well. Uh, I, I want to get to a video. Robert Ori was on Spectrum Sports talking about um, this situation and how he had to talk to his sons and family um, about dealing with situations and civil unrest. Uh, let's let's hear what Robert Ory had to say. Robert Ory. You know, for me, in today or yesterday, you know, I was sitting there and I started crying. And my wife walks in. She's like, are you crying because you turned 50 today? And I started laughing. I'm like, no. I said, did you see the video of this guy getting shot? At first, I, I, and I saw it. I'm looking at it. I thought, well, maybe they're going to tase him, right? Because that's what they do with white people. They tase him. And so I, I didn't have the volume up. And then Christian walks in the room. He says, no, Dad, they shot him. So I play it again. I'm like, wow. They shoot this guy seven times in the back. And then I have this conversation with Christian. And he's like, that's not, that's wrong, that's wrong. I said, yo, it is beyond wrong. It's just flat out evil. And I'm mm -hmm. telling you, and it's hard to tell your 14 year old son yeah. that I worry about him when he walks out that door. I have a 21 year old son. I worry about him because black men are, 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 are endangered species pretty much. People are, these cops are just killing because they feel like if they don't have their body cams on, they have a right. And I tell my kids all the time, I said, dude, I don't care what's going on because at the end of the day, I want you coming home to me. Yeah, powerful stuff. Uh, Cassandra, it's, this is, this is a tough subject to talk about for me because I don't have a family. I'm not black. Um, but I, I, I want to be able to have a discussion 
because it, the family dynamic in this country and, and in the world is something that's very important to me. And it's something very cherished that I think a lot of people uh, take for granted uh, when they bring children into this world. And your mom, and it's, it's not easy no matter how you prepare for it to be a parent, especially now in this day and age. Um, how do you tread uh, especially ha having um, children of color to send them out into this world. Yeah. How do you navigate the fragility of giving them information when they're so impressionable at an age? And then also the difference between giving them information and giving them absolutes and then letting them find out for themselves. Yeah, that's um, a really good uh, question. Um, at the end of it, how do you, how do you walk that line? So, um, I will say, so my son, um, little one is seven and I have a 14 year old stepson. And so what I, and they they have a black daddy and, um, I worry about him a lot more than I worry about the boys right now, but it's coming. And I think as, as a mother, um, raising black children, you know, the day is coming and it's this constant weight on your chest, knowing you're going to have to have that conversation. And what I had always hoped was that it would be in a graceful, nurturing way that wasn't um, a response to something that happened. And I didn't have that luxury. When my son was six years old, the little one, he was playing video games. This was just last summer. Playing video games with his big brother. They're online with the big brother's friends. He goes to school in LA. And um, little one comes downstairs and he says, Mom, his friend called me the N word. And I was like, What? He said, Well, he said, You're a little N word boy for no reason. Okay. You've met, you've met my son, just the sweetest little kid, like non confrontational. Like there was no, even if he had provoked it, it would not be acceptable, um, but it wasn't provoked. The child just spat it out of his mouth like that. Wasn't prepared for the conversation in that moment, but I was prepared for the conversation. So immediately I w went into mama bear mode and ran upstairs and had to get that kid on the phone and get the kid's father on the phone to explain what happened. And of course I got, oh, we don't speak like this in this house. Yes, you do, because your kid did, so he's in your house and you speak like that. So somebody, so, but I had to sit my son down and say, there will be times in this, in your life when people are going to use this word towards you or around you. And the only thing you can control is your behavior. And I, as your mother, 100% support how you react to it. You might want to walk away. You might fall, go into a fit of rage. You might have to defend yourself depending on what the situation is. But as your mother, I support your reaction because you and your reaction to it are not wrong. It is the people who chose to behave that way towards you who are wrong. And that's the whole kind of my issue with dealing with racism is we've spent a lot of time trying to make racists feel comfortable in their racism, trying to ask them to come to the table and explain their position. And I'm not willing to listen to the position of the racist anymore because I had to prepare a six-year-old to react to that. So 
Nah. So as his mother and, uh, and, and also, you know, having a relationship with their father, really worrying about his life in this climate um, is something I wake up with daily. Sandra, can you continue on that? And how did your son, what was his reaction or response? How, how, how did he react and respond? And what were, what were his words to you after, after that? He Did was he understand? thoroughly confused, thoroughly confused. He understands. See, he said he called me the N-word. So I asked him exactly what was said. And he said it. I've never talked to him about the N-word. So this is something, you know, that they... Uh, even so, I think, you know, someone asked me yesterday, when do you start having, when, did, when does the shift happen when you have um, brown babies? And um, when you expect to have a conversation, I say around sixth, first grade. Um, they're, you know, six going on seven years old because kindergarten, everything is really sweet and cute. Um, but in first grade, it changes because little kids start processing context now in, in a different way. And so um, that was about right. It was about first grade when we started to have um, that conversation, but he was like, you know, I didn't do anything to him. Like he doesn't know me. I've never met him. He doesn't even see me. We're on headset. So how does he know that I'm black? I'm all your brother black. So I'm sure he assumed you black um, too, but he doesn't have to know you um, for it to be okay for him to say something like that to him. And I will tell you, my son is indelibly changed and I've never been more angry as a mother to have a conversation with another little kid. And fortunately we were on the phone because I might've initiated um, some close proximity to his father or mother um, because I'm now internalizing mm -hmm. the pain of my son and now I have to act on that. And so when you're asking black people to be rational, sometimes you have to take into account all that they've had to endure before they got to that moment. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that, Cassandra. This is, uh, man, this is, a, this is deep. And Spence, I want you to jump in because um, it goes back and I'll read some of what the Raven said today. Um, Part of their statement, they came out and said, this is bigger than sports. Racism is embedded in the fabric of our nation's foundation and is a blemish on our country's history. If we are to change course and make our world a better place, we must face this problem head on and act now to enact positive change. It's time to accept, accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. And I have a hard time trying to dissect this information when I feel like in order to really see change, yes, education is important, but slavery is not something that most of our kids, if we have them now, have experienced. And even us, as if we were parents, have experienced. So I, I think that the discussion becomes more fragile and delicate uh, when you're talking about things that we should be aware of, but, but something that we should have to navigate through. Uh, Spence, and, and talk only what you're comfortable with here, but but you're of Jewish descent and you've had some life-changing experiences. Talk about the balance of what, what you have to acknowledge from your past and what part of your past you carry in today and how you balance out the two when you're if you were to have a discussion with children or with other people uh, uh, about your background and what 
the past, what role that plays in the present. Yeah, it, it is hard to kind of balance that. And as parents, of course, you should always teach tolerance and that everyone's just a person. So it doesn't matter like what you look like. And as much as I would say that that is the end story and that's how you solve it, personal experience to me will always be the greatest teacher. Uh, like we've talked about before, Brad, I went to Poland, I went to Germany, I've been to Auschwitz, I've been to numerous uh, concentration camps. And it, it makes me want to tear up just thinking about it because I've seen what hate leads to. The Holocaust is the ultimate form of hate. It's what, It's the end of the road. It's the worst form of it. And it changed my perspective on life, obviously, on my perspective of violence and everything like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, these kids, they learn these things at home and, you know, you can try to teach them at school. But in, until kids really know, like, what hate and all these things lead to and learning to just accept people who really are, it's nothing's going to change. So, yes, you can make police reform, which you obviously have to, but it has to we have to make change from the foundation. And I think that comes from a desire for kids to want to learn on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, their father told me a story uh, this week about um, we both grew up in, in towns where we were the only black family, any family of color, no Hispanics, like no Asians, nothing was just us. Um, But so we just had our friends and we just saw them as our friends and we thought they saw us as their friends um, as well. And there was a situation where he had gone out like on a lake somewhere with a group of friends and they had to run to someone's grandma's house and grab some flour because they were cooking something or another. And um, all of a sudden, so they walk in and the grandma's eyes just got as big as saucers and she like grabbed the grandson in the back. You could hear her say, get that N word out of my house. How are you going to bring this N word to my house? And when you're 17 years old and you grew up with all these people, um, it's, it's very shocking. And then there's fear that sets in. You don't know who she's going to call. You don't know what she's capable of either. And so, yes, you can have friends who have somewhat who have, who you think have been accepting of you. And um, then you go to their home and you realize that's not it. Um, I today actually, Spence, watched the, uh, on National Geographic, there was a documentary called After the Nazis On. And they talked, it showed actually what happened right after Germany was liberated. And it was worse in, in some instances. So you also had the Soviet Union who was actually lining Jewish people up on the roadside and, and still assassinating people and, and murdering families at, at mass. And so it's not like similarly in the United States when slavery ended, it wasn't like the spigot just got turned off and evil didn't exist anymore. People just found other ways to carry it out. And because there was never any reckoning for that, We have the legacy of it. And so I'm always of the mindset is when this behavior starts to ratchet it up, there must be severe consequences for the behavior. Police officers specifically who are murdering black people, Breonna Taylor uh, most recently, I mean, George Floyd as well. We need to have civil action against these police officers as individuals. Any city, municipality that pays out any kind of money needs to come out of the unions, 
the police unions, to start to have them police. I keep hearing about all these good cops. Um, and there are good cops. I've met some good cops. I'm friends with some good cops. I ain't talking about y'all. So if you feel offended by it, then maybe you ain't who you think you are. Um, but there need to be severe penalties. There needs to be severe penalties for neo-Nazi behavior in this country. There needs to be severe penalties for individuals who call together groups of individuals to come and assault and murder peaceful protesters as well. We cannot tolerate it because we're not changing hearts and minds. People are who they are. Um, but you could get your ass sat down for a minute. And you can either suffer monetary consequences or you can sit in jail and think about it for a little bit. Because a lot of people are not really about that life. They talk a tough talk on Facebook and show pictures of their guns. Uh, but when time comes down to it, they're not trying to go sit in jail for that. But that's we the, need to have that. That's the sports Nista. You can follow her work as a feature writer at lvsportsbiz.com. And her Levels podcast, a combat sports podcast, at the Sports Nista on Instagram, on Twitter. And uh, I, I love this woman. We've done radio before in the past, and she is outspoken and extremely articulate, poetic. And I would love to have her on again and talk some stuff a little lighter on the lighter yeah. side. Yeah. You know? And you and know, I want to say real quick is, um, Spence, I see you, man. You know, your oppression is my oppression. And if there is a walk that you need to take and people are behaving in a certain way because you are my Jewish brother, I got you too. Because I'm not trying to trade oppression with anybody. That's not how we're going to go through this. And so I think when we see it collectively, because we can't fight all these fights as individuals, has, we have to do it um, collectively. And so I got you too, man. No, I, I really appreciate that. And obviously, I have a, a very unique advantage in that I have blonde hair and blue eyes. So uh, it's very easy for me to say that I'm not Jewish to hide that. But I will be honest with you. There are times when I'm afraid to tell people, yes, I'm Jewish, you know, because you, you just never know what goes on behind closed doors. So uh, while I cannot personally, uh, you know, speak to the plight of what's going on against the African-American community, I certainly historically can understand what hate leads to. And obviously, I'm quite against that being that like, half of my family was wiped out not even a hundred years ago. Understood. Some powerful stuff. And look, we've got three people uh, sitting here right now from three different walks of life. And uh, look, three people I respect, or I can't include myself, but Spencer and Cassandra, uh, I, I appreciate you having this discussion and it's definitely a, a heavy topic. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week because we, we will definitely be lighting it up as I will be evaluating some of the pandemic watching experiences as I'm going to dive into reality TV and break down oh. some of the nonsense I've seen from there. Uh, Sports Nista, what have you watched in some of your downtime when you're not being a mom and you're not out on the streets hustling your uh, your your businesses and all of your ventures outside? What What is your guilty pleasure? Um, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm a mom. My guilty pleasure is the Food Network, man. I sit down. <laughs> like, I'm always watching, you know, Beat Bobby Flay or Guys Grocery Games or something. It's really like, I don't watch, like, any of the Real Housewives or any kind of, like, I just can't take that in my spirit. <laughs> I can't uh, do it. But, like, yeah, cooking shows. That's my thing. I know. I, 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 go to, I go to visit my mom and she makes me watch Beat Bobby Flay. And, why is Bobby Flay the master of all? 
Cooks? Why has everybody yeah. got to beat him or no, grill no. Bobby Flay? Why is he the anointed master of all no. cooks? I don't even know, but you know, in my house, we love what's the girl's name, uh, Pioneer Woman. She, like, she's not a big lady, but she got big lady thoughts. Like, if there's like some she could put a stick of butter in, like, she got you. <laughs> so yeah, wow. that's uh, yeah, the the Food Network is my thing, and then we've been watching a lot of like National Geographic just to try to balance out. You know, the kids are doing virtual school right now, and. You know, they need a break, and I'm tired of watching Teen Titans go with them. <laughs> Teen Titans go. <laughs> well, Sports Nista, I appreciate you joining us today. We'll, I think we'll have our sports back sometime this weekend, so yeah. we'll, we'll we'll follow this closely here. Boxing and UFC has been back, you know. That's they're not like, stopping. Well, they're yeah. not stopping. You know, they're yeah, going to keep pressing always. forward. Dana White. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that closely and make sure you check out Cassandra's podcast and her show, The Level combat podcast and uh, Jeremy Long's on there as well some great stuff from that so we'll follow you closely sports Nista, and thanks for joining us here on the rest stop and if you missed the show here live on twitch.tv you can go to any of the other broadcasts and podcasts you can search the platforms at Landry conference call make sure you search and you click rest stop or any other shows you can watch on that platform or chrislandryfootball.com for Spencer the Wiz I'm Brad the Believer. We will catch you next Tuesday live here in Las Vegas, 9 o'clock. We're signing off. Everybody have a safe weekend. Be well and take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.